Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. And we're back, folks, for another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Another week, more commitments for the maize and blue. As was predicted, as was forecasted, the word from Michigan Recruiting Circles was that July was going to be a big month. I think they are folks in that circle believe that this is just the start. These latest commitments that happened over the last couple of days. Joining me as they do every single week to talk about all things Michigan. Recruiting, uh, the best crew around, uh, two members of it, starting with Steve Lorenz. Steve, how are you? Good, good, guys. Hope you guys had a good holiday weekend. Absolutely. And Bryce Marriage, fresh off the honeydew list, man. How you doing? <laughs> doing good. Doing good. I appreciate uh, the introduction, Sam. Yeah, you get so. that. did you get that grill put together like she told you to? I got the Blackstone. You got did? Blackstone. Made some smash burgers, you know, whipped up some other stuff on the grill. So, yeah, anytime you want to come over and, you know, <laughs> see a real grill master at work, let me know. I got you, Bryce. All right, folks, I always say if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcasts. Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. They can find it. Just search Michigan Insider Podcast and up it will come. And, of course, if you want the scoop all the time, 24-7, go to our site, themichiganinsider.com. You can get in your first month for a dollar. And that first month will carry you all the way through the barbecue at the Big House, which is slated to be another big-time recruiting event. And all the things that happen leading up to it with the commitments that we anticipate are on the horizon. But two are already in the books. Starting off with Colston Loveland, Gooding, Idaho, the tight end that blew up on the West Coast. Then Bama offered. He became a national target. Michigan jumped in with an offer. Jay Harbaugh got it done, Steve. This is a bigger land than maybe people would would think when they when they hear Idaho recruit. Yeah, it's like Idaho turns out a guy every few cycles. I feel like was it a Tommy Togiai mm-hmm. for Ohio State? I think was the last big name to come out of Idaho. Yeah, Loveland. Uh, I think the best way to put it, Michigan when Michigan offered, I think it was in April offered. Um, immediately a guy that they that moved up their board. I think their tight end board's been somewhat compact, right? I mean, we talked a lot about Oscar Delp. I think it was Jack Velling out of Seattle was another kid that I think they really liked. Uh, Loveland is right right there, uh, if not higher. The, th- the story there is, you know, Michigan already, I think, kind of viewed him as a take going into the visit, but after they saw him, got to know him on the official visit, uh, he became basically a no-brainer type take and a guy that they were, they felt comfortable making a strong push for uh, even with Oscar Delp still out there, which I know we talked about. It was mid last week, right? Uh, that that's not going to stop uh, even with Loveland's verbal commitment, but Loveland was so impressive that Michigan decided, you know, we're not going to wait to see what Oscar Delp does and take the risk that Colson Loveland commits somewhere else. So yeah, I think it's the second or third scholarship varsity athlete uh out of idaho and michigan football history in the first one in like since the 40s i want to say it's been forever uh it's not a place yeah it's not a place turns out a lot of talent and when they do they don't usually go to michigan so yeah you had alabama which was like you said was the most noteworthy 
but also picked up LSU and Auburn, I want to say like a week before he visited Michigan. So, you know, the, the big thing, the naysayers, I suppose, was, was, was the Alabama offer committable or not committable? I say, who cares, uh, given that LSU and Auburn had offered him just a week before. Uh, to me, that says the SEC thinks that this kid can definitely play football at a high level. So as a big pickup for Michigan, we've talked about, they've really, they've wanted to take a second tight end every cycle for like the last three or four. And they've, they've gotten a big target early. And then they've basically approached it as we have a big target early. We're going to go after a big, big target to try to pair it with so we can get two. And they've kind of come up short, you know, you guys like Theo Johnson, a couple other guys, I feel like they've targeted the last couple cycles. Weren't quite able to add that second. Uh, they get one this cycle which kind of quietly I think is, is was kind of a need for them just to solidify that room and build up a little bit of depth. Absolutely. All right. So that was one that we anticipated. We talked about it having Michigan trending up with Colston Loveland having no bearing at all on their pursuit of Oscar Delp. He remains very much a target for the maize and blue and all signs point to him still having interest. And so our attention pointed towards return towards other guys that we thought were on the verge. One of those guys out of Tampa Gaither High School, Mario Eugenio, a guy who's racked up 30 sacks over the last couple of seasons, Bryce. Uh, and a guy, when you watch him, you watch his footage, you watch his film, you see a, a dude with really good off-snap quickness, but he just has a non-stop, non-stop motor, an array of pass rush, skills, technique, moves uh, as well. You can just see him being a guy that they put 15 pounds of muscle on and it, it potentially making him that much more effective. Another really good land for the Maize and Blue. 6'3", 240 out of uh, Tampa, Florida. Like you said, Michigan recruited him heavenly. Uh, defensive analyst Ryan Osborne kind of ran the, the point on that with Sean Nua, especially helping as well. And I think it's key to know having both of them kind of tag team and recruit this kid in terms, that means they look at him as a guy. And I think Sammy and Steven would agree. He's got, you know, position flexibility. You can move this kid around depending on how big he is and how well he moves. I mean, you rattle off the stats there, 30 sacks, 123 tackles in the past two seasons. So, you know, production is not an issue. Um, Technique really isn't that big of an issue. I think that's one thing when you're looking at edge rushers. What, what do they got? Are they just bull rushers? Are they, you know, can they club and swim? Can they, what moves do they got? And he seems to have a lot of moves. Uh, he's been extremely productive this offseason, the camp circuit. He was named a top performer at the Under Armour All American camp uh, by 24 7 Sports. Andrew Ivins has been really high on him as well as a prospect for us. And he's the kid that I know Michigan really likes. Michigan's had a lot of success in the state of Florida landing kits and producing them going on to having great careers, looking at David Bush. Um, and on top of that, the kid himself told me he's getting straight to recruiting. He came up for Victor's weekend, mm -hmm. and he was one of the guys, not committed at the time, but was working on guys. So it was pretty evident, I think, even the guys visiting that this kid's going to be in the class I would say main guy he's working on is Deion Walker. He's another 22, 2022 defensive line um, target from Cass Tech. And ironically, thousands of miles apart, they're best friends. They talk all the time. They play video games. They, you know, they talk. They really seem to form a good, strong connection as well. 
And so I think it's going to be beneficial in terms of recruiting other guys, but in the same token, he can definitely play as well. So this is a huge pickup. Michigan needed to get that momentum back on the recruiting trail. It looked like it had fallen off a little bit. And now these, you know, recent uh, lands, I feel like Michigan's right on the back footing. They're on good footing. Yeah, you know, that that home run contrary to what maybe a lot of Michigan fans were thinking in the aftermath of the the sudden, the surprising news that Justice Finkley had narrowed his list, right? The four-star defensive end, Hewitt Trustville High School down there in Trustville, Alabama. A guy who you watch his film, he just, he makes plays, right? Uh, you know, really, really impressive film. And for much of his recruitment, seemed very clear that Michigan was out front. Uh, even from the visit experiences he had, to having an uncle who is a diehard Michigan fan, super diehard Michigan fan, right? Really working the maize and blue influence as much as he can without being pushy about it, right? There are just a lot of things lending themselves to Michigan being out front. And then suddenly, ironically, on this very podcast, Bryce, the the Finkleys were going to appear. They were going to be this week's guests, right? And then they canceled Saturday. Likely... Now, in retrospect, due to the possibility that they were going to that justice was going to remove Michigan from the list. So why? And Steve, I kind of think I think the discussion is on two fronts. I think there's the front about where they think he fits in the scheme best. And then the part of how they think they're looking with other edge targets. So let's let's start with the latter and we'll work our way back to the former. The latter how are they looking with other edge guys? So they got Cavante Henry. They knew they were getting Mario Eugenio. We've talked a lot about how they value Josh Josephs, right? He's a high-value target. Michael Pollard's still out there, who we'll talk about later. They told Anto Saka not to come, right? Another edge guy that they were on. When you put all that together, it just feels like they might be thinking that they're getting close to their limit with the number of edge guys they can have in this class. Yeah, so I mean, the one thing at Edge, it's fact, Josh Josephs, Cavante Henry were one, two. I think, yeah, with Finkley, there's the first, like, was he an Edge? Is he not an Edge? Um, you know, Edge, not a spot, yeah, where it felt like there was any shortage of guys that they were in good position with. I think uh, the kid out of Texas, uh, Adadir, Adadir, uh, is another guy that Michigan really likes. And he really liked Michigan. Uh, I think coming out of that official visit, I think Michigan was in really good shape. But I'm not sure if the room was there is there, uh, given that it's going to be pretty much all in on Josh Josephs, uh, which looks like it may be paying off. I mean, I feel like Michigan might be trending up a little bit in that one. Not concrete for sure on that, but it's sort of getting, getting that feel and that sense that they may be. So, yeah, I mean, it was – it, the two the two points we're going to discuss kind of intermingle a little bit, but but the the edge thing is is I don't want to say it's precarious, but you take Cavante Henry, it limits you know how much how many guys at that spot are you really willing to take and are, are you going to take you know and so I don't if Michigan had to kind of draw a line in the sand a little bit or what the situation was, but uh, I do know that Josh Josephs definitely that number one guy at that spot. So you get Cavante Henry in there, you don't want to run the risk of pushing Josephs out by taking other guys that could potentially be playing that spot. So I think you work Josephs and kind of go from there with it. 
I, I think maybe the thought was that, hey, just if we play him inside, we can still get him. Uh, and you got to give him credit for being honest. We're a lot <laughs> Where a lot of, and you know, I wonder if programs are gonna have, if they're gonna be forced to be more honest because the portal is out there now, where guys can just, if you tell them one thing and do another, they can just be out. But one of the major critiques, one of the major criticisms of the prior regime was that they would, you know, they would try to fit square pegs and right, they would recruit guys that didn't necessarily fit the scheme. You're a, a press man team and don't have press man corners, right? So that how much, or you you want, you know, big athletic defensive linemen, but the guys that you get to fill those roles aren't the prototypes coming in. I mean, you can build some of those guys up, but how many quitty pays can you build, right? How many 220-pounders, 230-pounders can you build up in the 270-pound beast? It just does not seem like a something that you can replicate enough for it to be what you do all the time. So this staff is, you know, clearly in in looking at Justice Finkley and looking at who else is on the board, they have made the determination, at least here in the short term, they have made the determination, you know what? We think with who else we're on, we think he will fit better inside. That's not in line with what he's looking at, though. He sees himself as an as an outside player. Uh, you know, Far be it for me or us to, to – dictate or tell them what fits best in their defense they know better mike mcdonald knows better than we ever would but bryson here is the but there's such thing as a team take man (laughs) there's such thing as a team take right and this one just feels like a team take to me that's not me saying that i think that hey they don't know what they're doing or hey he'll fit better than they think that's not me saying that it's me saying that this dude checks so many boxes that it's worth giving it a shot. It's worth giving it a try, even if it messes with the numbers some because you got a guy whose film is excellent. I mean, say what you want about his what his height measurement was, you know, not being what his listed height is. Hey, some guys are just football players. Dwight Freeney, just a football player. Elvis Dumerville, just a football player, right? They just play bigger than their size. I think when you watch Justice Finkley on film, you see that. This is another dude with really good quickness, you know, really good motor, high IQ guy, really good in the classroom, going to recruit other guys because you know whose attention was gotten when Justice Finkley took Michigan off the board? That was something Walter Nolan noticed immediately. It was like, whoa, what happened? They lost Finkley? I, you know, perception is reality, right? I think Michigan would probably say, hey, you know, we, we said that we would – prefer him for him to play inside and he just said no that wasn't for him so loss is maybe a matter of perspective in their view but in the view of recruits recruits Bryce are going to see it as a loss and that kind of that has weight that has weight when you're trying to get this this momentum that we see happening with Eugenio you wanted to you, you wanted to parlay into even you know bigger fish right and, and get other big guys in the fold a guy like Justice Finkley who they were sitting so pretty with for so long him taking them off the board kind of contradicts that, kind of runs counter to, you know, that momentum, counter to that domino effect, because a lot of guys are looking at Finkley to see what he was going to do. I just think this is a, a, a calculated risk. I'm not saying it's not going to work, and I'm not saying the coaches are off, because that was, like you said, Sam, the big knock. They took a lot of players, the last regime, 
that maybe just didn't fit. And maybe, you know, they learned, you know, this new defensive staff or something, we're not doing that. We're, we're looking for our type of guys. And it's interesting too, because, you know, when these kids come up on visits, they can do workouts, they can measure them, they can hide and wait. They can really see these kids because you have to understand too, the coaches, no one's really seen these kids because of the pandemic, all these evaluations, everything they've done has been off film and word of mouth. So when you see a kid in person, that could change how they feel. Um, you know, would I have made this move? I'm not sure. Um, like you said, he checks a lot of boxes. He wants to be a neurosurgeon. He plays 7A, you know, 7A yeah, Big class. side football um, in Alabama, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, you know, the cream of the crop, you know. And so you know he can play. He's got the stats. He can – I mean, he just passed the eye test for me. That's how I look at it. You know what I mean? He's not the biggest, but, and I'm not comparing him to this, but in terms of height, maybe weight, Brandon Graham was not the biggest. Yeah. Now, I want to, I, I do, and I want to be careful because I mentioned Freeney and, and Doomerville, and those were, were freaks. And, and BG is like a super right. athlete. I mean, his, his quickness and power, speed is just. I'm I, the the reason the why I referenced exactly. those guys was was those are examples of guys that play bigger than their than their size. All right, they their impact was bigger than their listed than their measured height. All right, that that's so I'm not saying that Justice is going to be Freeney. I'm not saying Justice is going to be Doomerville. I'm not saying Justice is going to be BG. I think that if you if you put them in a combine, I think BG is probably going BG is going to out test them, right? Uh, and so it, Dwight Freeney probably going to out test him. But my point is this dude, he just is a ball player. Some, some guys are just better than their measurables, right? And I'm not saying that he's going to be a star. I just think that the floor on him is high enough that all the other boxes that he checks makes him, makes him worth it. And here's the, here's the strange thing, Bryce. And I know you got this call too, because first of all, People wonder about the crystal ball. I don't think his uncle will mind me saying this. His uncle told me to put in a crystal ball. He said, put in a crystal ball on justice to Michigan. It's going down. Right? So you you think you think this wasn't an abrupt change, of course? I mean, that came straight from the family. Like, put in the crystal ball. But he made another call, Bryce, and I'm sure you got the same call. He said, now look, even though he didn't put Michigan in this final group, that doesn't mean it's over with Michigan, which, you know, it, you, you wonder, is that more heart talking than, than it being how much of a real possibility that is, right? But it does say that the light is still on, the door is still open a crack for Michigan if they decide they want to try to walk through it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think the door is completely shut, but I feel like, too, if they do decide to make a move, they should do it sooner than later, personally. You know, I, this is not a kid I wouldn't wait on. And just going back to that point, the kid can definitely play. He's got offers, you know, his top three, Alabama, Texas. I know he's got Colorado. His family, his dad's a huge Colorado fan. That's why Colorado's in there. But if those schools think he can play, I personally think he can play. You know, I've seen him in person actually play as well. And like you said, he just checks all the boxes. Now, it could work out. 
they can land some of these, you know, edge guys, and these guys could definitely pan out. You know, like you said, Sam, transfer portal. These guys are coming and going year in and year out. But this is definitely a move that caught me surprised. You know, I, I put on Crystal Balls. I got that same call, Sam, and I was <laughs> definitely told Michigan's the team to beat, let alone Michigan could be the team to beat to the point of where they could see something happen pretty soon. Right. So I'm like, all right. And, yeah, news happened. I was uh, golfing at the time, and I got that phone call, and that things definitely changed. But that's recurring. You know, like you told me when I first got into this, it's very fluid. Things change, you know, on a win. And uh, this is what I want to just, you know, lock away and say it's gone forever. I think there's still a chance, but I think at that point it might be Michigan deciding, can we see him as an edge Mm -hmm. and then go from there? Yeah, I I think I would file it away. Like you said, I think that's a a good way to put it. I wouldn't put too much hope in it. You just know that it's a possibility that if they decide that they want to revisit that that invitation is still there for them to to revisit things, and we, we'll see. Uh, because this was this was during the visit. This was one that Jim Harbaugh kind of spent a lot of time on personally. He spent a lot of time on himself. So you you wonder like if this picks back up, you wonder if it's going to be Jim Harbaugh that that does it that says, "Hey, you know what? I want this dude." Because uh, that's that's how it works. I mean, we've seen Jim do that before, right? See Jim do that in the past. So it's certainly a possibility. But again, uh, don't know how it's going to play out this time. We just know that they they clearly felt that they are looking really good with a number of edge prospects. They now have two in the fold, and they're looking good with some others that we will talk about a little bit later on in the podcast. Right now, our attention will turn to talking about Miles Pollard. Miles Pollard announced Monday that his decision is coming in on Wednesday, and he has a final three of Michigan, Auburn, and Oklahoma. And so I had a chance to talk to his trainer, who I've known for a long time, Daryl Graham, his training organization, Developing Great Athletes. Knowing from back up here, when he was training guys down in Detroit, you know, he had he had Mikey Weber. He had John Kelly. He had some of the big linemen out of Oak Park for instance, back in the day. So he is a longtime guy when it comes to identifying talent, developing talent, is really uh, connected with a lot of coaches over the years, including Steve Klinkscale. So I caught up with Daryl Graham to talk about Miles's upcoming decision, Michigan's courtship, how they were able to make up so much ground so fast and kind of get him to weigh in on handicapping the race and how he thinks Miles projects at the college and even the pro level. So we'll take this break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk to Daryl Graham, and then we'll get into what this domino effect might look like for Michigan the rest of this month. We'll return here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're joined now here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider by one of the top trainers in the game. I've known this guy for a long time. Developing great athletes, DGA, for a long time, going back to the days of Mikey Weber and John Kelly, but now influencing guys down in Nashville. And one of those guys is a guy who is at the top of Michigan's cornerbacks board, as we've known for some time, a young man by the name of Miles Pollard. Joining me to talk about Miles is Daryl Graham. DG, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. All right, so so DG, I've known you for a long time, and and I've never known you to, you know, exaggerate what a guy's potential is. And so you told me early on when you first got a hold of Miles that he was going to be a guy. He was going to be a big-time recruit before he exploded on a recruiting scene. What did you see that let you know that Miles was going to be what he is now? Uh, obviously, uh, being 6'2", 185. Well, about that time, he was about 175, but he was every bit of 6'2". And just the length, and you, you can tell when you got long guys like that um, that have a work ethic, that they, they have an opportunity to be good at what they do. Obviously, um, he has matured and uh, over the years because he started when I got him, he was just switching from receiver to DB. Um, and obviously, a lot of those uh, receivers, they, they turn out to be pretty good uh, DBs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... The recruiting thing really started to pick up, man. I mean, Kentucky was first to the board, and it happened to be Steve Klinkscale. But down the line, man, Michigan jumped in the fold, and they really seemed to, despite getting in there a little later than some of the other schools, they really seemed to gain some traction with him. What was it about Michigan that sort of made them be able to make up so much ground so quickly? Well, um, I think the biggest thing is uh, obviously Michigan is always a great program, a uh, great academic institution as well. Um, so when you get a school like that, uh, that's been doing a great job here in the Tennessee area recruiting, it's like, you know, you got to, you got to pay attention to it. Now he was really close to, or he had grown really close to, you know, Mo Linguist. Then Mo Linguist leaves, right? And at the time, Miles was, you know, he was saying in, in different interviews that, you know, Michigan was out front. He didn't say he was going there, but he said Michigan was out front. Then Molinguist leaves, and there's this period where you're like, man, what's going to happen with Michigan's recruitment of Miles? Then they got Steve Klinkscale. And one of the things Miles said to me was, hey, man, I mean, t- I'm even closer to Coach, to Coach Klink. So did you, did you recognize in that moment that, that maybe Michigan wasn't going to fall out? Maybe they would even be stronger in the race? Uh, absolutely. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, Clint Skill have done a great recruiting job uh, over the past few years, just on some of the top recruits and uh, recruiting some of my guys as well. And and, um, and then Miles had built a great relationship with, you know, him being the first one to offer just because of our relationship and my ability to project the talent. And, you know, he just fell in love with him over the years. So I knew that if he went to Michigan, it was 
it would be an even higher chance just because of their relationship. All right. So then, you know, not <laughs> obviously Michigan isn't the only school that has really prioritized Miles and that he really likes. Another one that really came up was Oklahoma. So what did what did you see in the relationship between Miles and Oklahoma that sort of made the, the Sooners a strong contender? Well, well, Roy Manning, uh, the relationship with Roy Manning was uh, huge. Um, and also just uh, Oklahoma have done a great job uh, recruiting guys um, from the state of Tennessee as well. You know, they had uh, Reggie Grimes, um, just got a few transfers from Tennessee. And, and so having guys from your hometown era that you play with uh, obviously give you more attraction as well because you got an inside scoops on, on how they coach what the program is like and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. All right. And so then another one that he really seemed to warm up to a lot, took an official visit there, but Auburn, how, how did Auburn sort of rise in this race? Well, uh, obviously coach Mason, um, leaving Vanderbilt being in the backyard and, uh, going over to Auburn and being a defensive minded guy, defensive coordinator that loves uh, long corners and had a, I've done a great job developing them over the years. Okay. All right. So DG, you, you know, miles probably better than anybody outside of his family uh, from, from working with him these last few years, at least, you know, his recruitment better than anybody outside of his family has been working with him the last few years. So, you know, he has an announcement coming up when he sits down to make that final decision. And what do you, what do you think are going to be the things that, you know, the factors that makes him go with one school over all the rest? Well, uh, just knowing him and his family, uh, I know it's going to be a, 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 it's going to be a, a family decision. Um, and like I said, I know academics is going to be a high priority, but also just uh, that relationship that they over the years. And, and I just honestly think, uh, you know, Clint Skill recruiting them so early on is, is going to be hard to. Uh, persuade them away from from that long lasting relationship. Got you. All right. So let's let's look ahead. Now you you said that these coaches you've developed relationships with a lot of these coaches over the years since you've been doing this, and they trust your eye and trust your projection of talent. So project for me, Miles. Project for me, Miles, and at the college level, when you think he'll be able to start making an impact on a program, and then. Kind of project for me beyond. I mean, is there anyone that you compare him to as far as upside is concerned? Well, um, I, I think I think he'll be an impact player. I know he'll play early right away. Um, but the, it just, for me, um, obviously, you know, going to the collegiate level, uh, the biggest thing is the playbook. And the sooner he get that, that the faster he'll be an impact player there. Mm -hmm. Um as far as projections, I, I do feel that Miles would be a top four round guy uh, at the NFL level if he keep developing and, and keep working the way he's working. Um, obviously, Klinskill have done a great job of putting defensive backs in the league. Um, so if it is Michigan and he's up under Klinskill, I, I think his, his ceiling is, is extremely high. All right, and so you you train Miles. He has another year of of high school and training to go. I mean, tell me his strengths right now. Like, what does he do well? What does he shine at? And then tell me the things that you're going to be working on. What does he need to improve upon? Well, well I, I I think uh, 
one thing if you if you watch his game with these uh and and you've seen him this uh uh, recruiting trail obviously everybody haven't been able to see athletes but for miles length and size he has a uh, very good feet and hips um which allows him to cover just about any guy um one of the biggest things we're going to continue working on is really just his, his strength lower body strength and, mm-hmm. and his quickness and, and speed um and that's that's pretty much it get him ready to go to school early obviously he's uh taking summer classes to enroll uh, wherever you're going to go to early. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, DG, you know, I appreciate you, man. And I want to take this opportunity to, you know, give you a chance to kind of shout out the, the next round. I mean, these coaches trust your eye, trust what you say about who some guys are going to be. So who are some of your up and comers that we need to keep an eye out for? Well, uh, obviously uh, Chris Parson, quarterback over at Ravenwood. Um, you know, I've been telling people about him, and, and he's going to he's going to prove that uh, after his first three games. Uh, also, have a, a defensive end, Hank Weber, that's going to uh, play at a high level of collegiate balls, and then um, some of my younger guys, uh, Albert Hainsworth, uh, son uh, Avery Hainsworth, and uh, Kobe Herman, are going to definitely be uh, two high. Uh, prospects out of the 2025 class gotcha all right well dg you know i appreciate your time man i'll be in touch thanks a lot absolutely take care appreciate you all right guys so you heard it there that was daryl graham basically i mean he he said point blank he thinks that michigan's gonna be tough to beat uh, especially because of clink scale maybe they would have been tough to beat anyway right but he thinks that michigan's gonna be really tough to beat because of the relationship with Clink Scale. And we've talked about Miles Pollard enough for people to know by now, Steve, that we've long thought that this was a kid who the ratings, who the rankings just haven't caught up to yet. His offer list would suggest that too. I thought we say that for every kid, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Pollard has one of the most national offer sheets of any corner in the country, let alone for anybody rated 87 which is where he's at, both composite. I think he might be an 88 composite, might be a little bit higher. Uh, for an 87, he probably has one of – he's probably one of the two or three most national names. And not just that, the other the other more – maybe more important part is he's still a take for all of the – pretty much all – probably all of those programs that offered him. You know, sometimes guys get a lot of offers early, fall down the rankings, maybe don't have a lot of committable offers. I mean, this is an 87 with the final three of Auburn, Oklahoma – Michigan you know yeah this is a guy like I said we, we've talked about him before he was really even a Michigan target sure let alone top target whatever I mean like he's like so this isn't like a you know a, a situation where it's um I don't know us pumping the situation up a little bit I mean this is a kid that we felt really good about on film and in was in Newkirk I, I know saw him in person you know that that this kid's legit and would be a, a home run when, you know, we keep talking about cornerback, I think is still probably the most need, the biggest need this cycle after only signing one true corner in 2020 or in the 2021 class. So you get Cody Jones, who looks solid right now. I know Brian Doan just reported out it was the pylon seven on seven. Things look pretty good with Cody Jones coming out of his official. Uh, they already have Will Johnson in the fold. You had Miles Pollard in there and you're talking probably two of the three top overall targets at the position 
along with I guess we'd probably say Damani Jackson still like if they had their if they had their wishes game true it'll be that third guy um right up there with Julio Florence too out of San Diego the guy who's another guy's been more of the uh late bloomer flying up the board kind of guy but either way you know Pollard yeah it's been it's been a interesting recruitment in that they were already in pretty solid shape with Mo Linguist and they could not have hired there's literally no other assistant in the entire country that they could have hired that would have actually improved their standing in this recruitment. One of the more fascinating uh, things. I mean, I think that was all of our initial reaction um, among the other reactions. I mean, the clink scale hire was a big one, but I know that one of the first reactions was, wow, this actually might even help them more with Miles Pollard. And yeah, as you said, uh, Daryl Graham mentioned that relationship probably going to be pretty tough to beat in the end. Yeah. I, I just, I said from the beginning, uh, because I, I remember sending Newkirk to that game, the Ravenwood IMG game. Uh, you had Junior Colson versus J.J. McCarthy, right? So it was <laughs> – that's who we were there to see. But I said, watch out for this kid, Miles Pollard. His coach had told me about him in the summer. It's like, this is going to be a guy. And at the time, he had only had the Kentucky offer from Clinkscale, right? But that dude uh, – and remember, he was also only a guy who had – he had just made the transition to corner like the, the prior season. So – just didn't have a lot of experience at the position, didn't have a lot of exposure, but 6'2 and some change. And the thing that you look at with him is the the physical upside. I mean, he's 6'2, maybe 175, 6'2, maybe 6'2 and a half, 175. He's going to play his college ball in the 190s. So he has some, some strength and explosiveness that's going to be added to his frame. And what you like about him right now already is to be that long. He is a dude who is extremely fluid, a guy who I always say, can he sink his hips? Can you sink your hips, explode in and out of cuts or breaks like a smaller guy, like a guy who's 5'10", those cat quick guys? And Miles can do that. So he's, he's not a guy that's going to you know, burn up a track. He's not a 10, 500-meter guy. You, you, know, you put him on a, on a stopwatch on a football field, he probably runs you a 4'5". But he's 6'2 and a half. He has really good quickness. He can stick with receivers in and out of in and out of breaks, and he can close a lot of ground with his wingspan. I just think his upside is tremendous. I think his offer list, when you consider, you know, Alabama came with an offer. Florida tried to get him. Auburn's in his final list of finals. Oklahoma's all over him. Washington was pushing. Georgia, all these schools. I mean, too many big timers for him to just be some random three-star dude. I think he's better than that. I think Michigan thinks he's better than that. I know Klinkscale, if he offered him at, at Kentucky first and has been all over him ever since, no, he thinks the same thing. So this, should it go down like we think it will, will be a really valuable pickup for the maize and blue. And it's part of a theme. Steve, you mentioned Jaleel Florence, another 6'2 guy, right? They're, will Johnson, a 6'2 guy. Damani Jackson, about, I mean, I guess you recruit him anyway, but he's pushing 6'2", 10 to 500 meter. And by the way, that one is going down exactly like we said, right? We said, hey, he's saying he's locked into to USC, probably going to be a Trojan, but he's taking visits. He's going to visit TCU. He, he went to Bama for an unofficial. He's going to go back for an official. He's going to visit Ohio State. And we said, this dude has said, his dad has said, they're lifelong Michigan fans. They want to see a game in Ann Arbor. He said he's going to visit Michigan. That gives you at least a puncher's chance, especially if something happens with Helton at USC. So 
you keep running that race, and Michigan is obviously determined to do just that. And then there's an intriguing kid named Amorion Walker out of Ponchachula, Louisiana. Ponchachula, Louisiana. I had to practice that. Ponchachula, Louisiana. That's how you do it, Bryce. When you don't know how to pronounce something, you practice it ahead of time. Ponchachula. And, and, and the coach there is, is Ron Bellamy's coach from, from high school. So there is an end. Now, he's committed to Notre Dame. He seems pretty locked into Notre Dame right now. He's been rebuffing overtures from LSU, which is obviously the big school in that state, rebuffing some overtures from Alabama, even after he went there at 6'3 and about 175, 180. He ran a 4'4", 140, vertical 40 inches. But those schools aren't going to stop when you put up that kind of those kinds of numbers. They're going to keep trying. I expect Michigan to keep trying on him as well. But those are maybe some of the longer shots, with the exception being Jaleel Florence. Michigan's in his top three. I think Michigan leads for Jaleel Florence. Probably a bit of a long shot for the rest of them, but you keep running those races. There are other guys, Bryce, and you mentioned one of them earlier, and Deion Walker, where if we're looking at who is Michigan trending up with, you got to start, I think, with Deion. 6'6", over 300 pounds from Detroit Cast Tech, a guy that they've been on for, shoot, months. I mean, they love him. He's a guy that right now he's a defensive tackle, but I think all three of us would agree he's got potential to play offensive tackle and be really good. I mean, I saw him participate in front of Mike Hart at the Eastern Michigan camp. Uh, I want to say that was June 1st, and he looked fabulous. He didn't lose a rep. You know, he was moving his feet really well. Mike Hart was standing right next to him on each rep, talking to him. And after the camp, I talked to Dion. I said, you know, what, what did Coach Hart tell you? And he said, listen, if you're trying to make money and trying to make it to the league, you might have found your spot. So I think for him, he's thinking about Michigan in terms of, okay, well, obviously I can play defensive tackle, you know, but at the same time, maybe offensive tackle ain't looking so bad, you know. And I think that's something, too, that Michigan's kind of pitching to him. I don't think they're pressing that – situation right now but I think he's a kid you talk about a program take Sam he checks a lot of boxes and big thing for us and big thing when I watched him when you and me Sam saw him at Columbus a couple years ago yeah man it wasn't the best (laughs) just not moving the best no offense but he just and he would probably say the same thing he wasn't it wasn't the best performance anything we saw but since then he's changed his body you could tell he's taking everything very serious, and he looks like a top prospect. And Michigan's addressing, you know, recruiting him like the top prospect he is. He's gotten offers now from LSU, Georgia, everywhere. And at this point, he's a guy I just feel like you have to land. Michigan looks great right now for him. They got plenty of in-state connections. He raved to me about Coach Bellamy being now on staff, saying that's my guy. And now they got Mario, who's one of his best friends as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of signs pointing towards Michigan. This ain't over, but at the same time, I feel really good about my pick there. I do too. Uh, and Steve, I know you have a pick on Deion Walker as well. Allen was first with the pick. It, you know, Kentucky was a major threat when the click scale was there, but he's not there anymore. He literally can't go to Michigan State because Wilcher's there. Wilcher's as if he, I'm not saying that he wanted to, but even if he wanted to, he literally can't. Go to Michigan State now. So it's like, you know, and he was in Mario's announcement, his his Instagram live. And he was like, family, teammates. It's like, it's like come on, man. Like, well, I don't know what he's waiting for at this point. I feel really good about that crystal ball. Another crystal ball 
for another guy who was in that announcement, Steve, that I'm feeling really good about is Dylan Bell. Yeah, a lot, very similar uh, comments, tone in his thing. And like you said, with Cullen, it's like, uh, what do you get? What's the holdup, I suppose? Um, I mean, it's their own deal. They do it when they want to. But, you know, you're publicly speaking as if you're basically already committed to the staff. Yeah, Bell, interesting recruitment as far as uh, position. So it was running back. Then it was receiver. Then when he was on his official, he kind of told me that they liked him at running back and receiver, like uh, sort of a hybrid type deal. Well, now it's 100% they're recruiting him at receiver. So he spent a lot of time, you know, Mike Hart's been running point on that recruitment the whole time will be listed as the primary or is listed as the primary, but he, uh, Dylan told me he spent a lot of time with Josh Gaddis while he was on his official visit. And that was where the film, the film room, the film breakdown type deal uh, say Michigan really likes him at receiver. Not a surprise. Uh, you know, we saw him down in at, or up at Ferris state, not that long ago. Uh, and I think, what was it? I think he ran a handful of reps and both Michigan and Penn state who, I don't know how hard Penn state was recruiting them, but they're definitely recruiting them a little bit, you know, kind of pulled him aside and said, Hey, we're not recruiting yet running back anymore. We're recruiting at receiver. Uh, it was very abrupt, abrupt shift. I mean, he ran like five routes. Uh, so, you know, another guy, and that sounds like a broken record, but the offer sheet at this point doesn't match his 86 rating. Maybe earlier in the spring, maybe it matched it a little bit, but visits to Texas A&M, Georgia, Auburn, he's gotten offers from all three of those schools after being on their campus. I believe he camped for sure at Texas A&M. I'm not sure about the other two. Either way, all three saw him in person. All three offered him a scholarship. That's not a typical 86, um, you know, and it's a guy that Mike Hart uh, loves. They have a great relationship. I think that if, if Bell is to commit to Michigan, I think that's definitely going to be the primary driver in that position. And I think, you know, shifting him over to receiver is it's important because there's been a lot of talk about what, where things are going to go in Michigan at receiver this cycle. You lose Xavier Worthy to Texas. It kind of, you know, it became a little bit more of a need all of a sudden in 22. And uh, I think moving, making that move for him from running back to receiver is a nice insure, almost an insurance move, I suppose, on the recruiting trail that you get a guy that you know can play receiver at a high level, uh, you know, in, in a power five program. All right. So let's let's rapid fire on the way out and, and talk about other a couple of other guys that there are varying opinions on, like how where Michigan is with them right now, how they're trending at the moment. And, Steve, you sort of talked about one of them earlier. Josh Josephs, that's another guy. I mean, maybe it sounds like a broken record. I just think that, I think that there is an explanation for the gap between some of the evals and the rankings right now. COVID has done that uh, more, more than ever. So I think you're going to see the rankings maybe fluctuate more in this cycle than we ever have seen them as – our scouts, our analysts are able to get out and see guys live again. Josh Josephs fits that mold, and it just feels like, I mean, this is another guy that was in there, you know, talking about Mario. And so it it does sort of feel, and you alluded to this, Steve, it does sort of feel like maybe on the heels of that visit, maybe Michigan is trending up with, with Josh Josephs. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, actually, well, we're recording, did a little bit of digging literally while we were recording, I would say Michigan's in pretty darn good shape with Joseph's right now. I think the question is he is not somebody who I do, I do not believe he's in a big hurry still. Uh -huh. 
So it's going to be Michigan. It's going to be the state, the consistency, staying on him. Something we think they can do that. Uh, you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I suppose this is one though. I don't. All hands are on deck with this recruitment. This was a guy. I don't know. I call him like a thirty second, like thirty seconds of his film. It's like this guy can play. And <laughs> yeah, is I mean, he and, and not only you know he's he's physically he's basically what I consider the the prototype at what McDonald is trying to to get at that edge spot. Length, athletic. So he can he can rush the passer. Played the run really well, but also uh, for a guy his size, not just the ability to cover guys, but to look natural almost in playing coverage situations. Yeah, you know, I just think that he's and he's also a guy like you said he's an eighty nine right now for us. But I could for this is a fact. One of our analysts said, just want to see him in pads. Almost guaranteed he's going to be a four star prospect by the time it's done, if not a top two four seven type guy. So that'll be you know we'll have to see him. Uh, this fall, which yeah, I think the ra- the rankings this fall will be fascinating because pads will go back on. I think it's really usually I think by the end of the summer when they've seen all the camps, you had already seen them their junior season. Senior season didn't necessarily fluctuate rankings a lot. I think this year is going to be totally different. I think you're going to see a lot of changes based on senior seasons. So Joseph's a guy to watch there for sure. Uh, Tennessee, Penn State. I think there are a couple other programs there that are heavily involved. Tennessee, it's been kind of up and down, but I think back up a little bit for them. I think they're probably Michigan's primary competitor there, led by uh, Brian Jean-Marie uh, is the guy there who's given Michigan a little bit of a headache. So, uh, But, yeah, no, Joseph's – I got to be honest. This kid, if he if he commits to Michigan and they run the system, like it looks like McDonald's going to run, I think this kid's going to be a star. I think – I just – I'll call it right now. I just – I have a good feeling on this kid. If, if he's such a perfect fit for what they want to do um, – you know, I think he's going to be a, a big, big time player for them. All right. And then another guy, Bryce, to kind of close things out here, Michael Pollard. And so I know that he was a guy that you've seen, you've talked to a ton, had Michigan crystal ball there for a long time, uh, you know, visited Michigan. Seems like the Wolverines are in, in positive, you know, in an enviable position, but A lot of Auburn buzz there, a lot of Auburn buzz, a lot of confidence emanating from the Tigers camp, proximity to home. They have that. They have some things on their side. How are you kind of feeling? What are you kind of thinking at this point, understanding that you recently switched the crystal ball over to the Tigers? I did. I, uh, you know, I think for me, big thing for him, he's got the connections. We went over that being the nephew of Braylon Edwards and, his dad being Marcus Pollard playing with Jim Harbaugh on the Colts. So, you know, he's been to Michigan. He had that official visit, but I was curious to see if he was going to commit. I, uh, he seemed like a commit guy and where he comes on a visit commits. He didn't, he took more official visits, took one to Auburn. Like you said, a lot of the buzz has been Auburn since then. I know Michigan still feels good kind of about where they sit. Um, but my thing is, you know, I've been – I just want to see it more so. You know what I'm saying by that? It's just – I've been hearing a lot of Michigan buzz throughout his whole recruitment, but Auburn's really surged. They really made a strong push. Um, but Michigan, at the same time, has not backed away. George Hilo, the linebackers, you know, coach has been all over this recruitment. He's got Jacksonville, Florida, deep roots there growing up, and that's where Micah Pollard's from. Uh, at this point, I want to say it's almost like a coin flip. I could see it being Auburn, but I could see it being Michigan too at this point, you know, and at the same time, 
He's a guy I know they told him initially as a buck. I think he's more of an edge, um, but he's got that, like we said, that versatility where he can play multiple positions. Um, but I think like Steven, you would agree too. their top target is Joseph's. I mean, if they land him, it's, that's, a, that's, you know, best case scenario, but Micah Pollard is no, you know, slouch himself. The kid can play. I've seen it for myself, but at the moment, I do feel like Auburn might potentially have the lead there, but I mean, I'm talking about slim margin. I don't, I don't think this is one where I'd say Michigan's completely out of it because Michigan's definitely making a push. Um, and there's a lot of noise coming from their camp saying they still feel really good about it as well, but it's a two, two team race. I would say at this point. Yeah, Steve, I guess I want your take on this in closing too. I, the, the thing that sticks out to me is, you know, Michigan has felt for a long time. They look really good with, with Micah Pollard. Right. And I, I guess I was looking at it kind of like Bryce, like this is a, a a really good candidate for them to to get in June maybe with how things had reportedly been trending with him for some time. I mean, he, it seemed like Michael Pollard was much closer, for instance, than the other Pollard, than Miles Pollard to making a decision. And it just, you know, kept going, going and going. And so it has me a little more sensitive to maybe the Auburn buzz than I would otherwise be. Not to say that, you know, Michigan can't still get him, uh, but you, the buzz coming from down there in the, what is it, the Yellowhammer State, the buzz coming from down there is hard to ignore. I'll just say I, I'll lean towards our Auburn affiliate uh, and his information over what we know with Pollard, I guess, as far as the Michigan end of things go. I guess that's probably the best way I could probably put it. Yeah, you know, the same way I think we – I think going into – was it the June 4th, right? They were the first, he was the first weekend of the month to be up there. I think we thought it'd be, a, he might be a guy that a candidate to potentially commit either like at the end of the, or right after the visit or even on the visit much with Hayden Schwartz, uh, same way, both Jacksonville guys. I think the thought was pretty positive going into the visit. I think the fact that he didn't visit or I uh, didn't make a commitment there visited Auburn and Auburn has felt what I get the sense is pretty, pretty good. Uh, just dug on it a little bit last night and that Auburn felt it was an sort of a um, afterthought in the conversation I had uh, via the Pollards. Cause there's always a confusion Auburn recruiting both Micah and miles Pollard also along with Michigan. Uh, it was sort of the afterthought that Micah Pollard is leaning towards Auburn. So that's where I'm going leaning with it right now. Um, I'd be not saying I'd be like, Shocked, I guess, if it was Michigan, but I, I I feel comfortable about the crystal ball to Auburn um, unless something absolutely changed. But I don't know what maybe shift would have taken place there to maybe pull a 180 in that situation. We'll I, see, though, right? Yeah, I, recruiting, so. yeah, right, right. Justice Finkley, right? Uh, I think what you can glean is Michigan absolutely is not conceding this battle. Uh, I agree with Bryce. They feel really, really good about their standing and uh, that that enough that in and of itself is enough to believe that they are still going to be pushing really really hard until he makes the decision and you know maybe it'll go their way we'll see uh time will tell we'll be back with another edition of the michigan recruiting insider next week maybe we'll start talking we'll talk about more commitments i'm sure uh, and then we'll also start looking ahead to the barbecue. The barbecue at the big house is the attendees list is starting to really, really build up. So be on the lookout for that. That'll be next time here on the next edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.